this picture. Yep. There it is. Yay. Um, now, I'm not showing this to you because it's beautiful or particularly captivating at all. I'm showing this to you because in the last week when I was looking through some old photographs and I found this picture, my heart melted. My heart melted because this is actually a lodge in a family campground, a campground called Compton Ridge in southeast Missouri. My family used to camp there two or three times a year, and we did it for a decade. And it was that decade when our children were really, really young. My family would enjoy this because we had no money. We had no money, and we couldn't afford fancy vacations. So to be able to run away to this campground was kind of special, and it became to be kind of our place. It was just a few miles from Branson, yay Branson, a few miles from Silver Dollar City, Table Rock Lake was nearby, and it was a little bit like a home away from home for us. Somehow, when we would get out there and start camping, we were kind of a better family. We kind of became the family that we, we kind of wanted to be all the time, right? Less stress, less rushing, lots of conversation, and lots of laughter. This place became so important to us that a decade after we moved from Missouri, when our three children were on an epic cross-country drive from the East Coast to our new home in Texas, which they were just thrilled about, by the way, they decided, they were by themselves, they decided to take a detour, and this is where they stopped. It, is it just not working? Okay. Let's go back. And this is where um, they stopped. They stopped back at, in southeast Missouri, at Compton Ridge. They spent a night and a day there. Somehow with the transition and the upheaval our family was experiencing, returning to that home away from home seemed like the right thing to do. Thank you. Home. That is how the author Frederick Beekner describes the kingdom of God. This is what he says. The kingdom of God is where we belong. It is home. And whether we realize it or not, I think we are all of us homesick for it. The kingdom of God, Beekner says it is our home. As we continue through Jesus' tough sayings in the Gospel of Luke, let's see how Jesus describes the kingdom of God. Listen for God's word to us today. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? 
But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. This is the word of the Lord. When is the kingdom coming, Jesus? How can we measure it? What's the timeline? What does it look like? And who? Who will be part of it? The Pharisees were not asking innocent questions. You see, they'd been listening to Jesus. They'd been watching his healing, his interactions. And as always, they wanted to trap Jesus. You see, as religious experts, the Pharisees They knew the boundaries of the kingdom of God. They knew the signs and events that would precede its coming. And oh yes, they surely knew who would be in the kingdom and who would be out of the kingdom. Their view of God's reign and God's activity, it is small, it is tight, it is sure. And they are not prepared for Jesus' answer. God's kingdom isn't coming with signs that are easily noticed, says Jesus. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or there it is. Don't you see? God's kingdom is already among you. Don't you see? God's kingdom is already among you. With one little Greek word, Jesus has destroyed their neat understanding, their carefully constructed view of how God works, where God works, and who God works with. With one little Greek word, the kingdom of God is entos of you. Entos, in the midst of you, present tense. Don't you see? The kingdom of God is already among you. Well, friends, here's the truth. (laughs) They can't see it. They can't understand it. They can't experience it. Their idea of what God might be up to, it is very small, very cramped. They look for God to work with military power and political might. They look for truly righteous people to be part of God's reign and everyone else to be left out in the cold. And here is Jesus saying, the kingdom of God is already among you. Let loose in your midst, moving in your midst. Don't you see? Don't you see? Well, maybe, maybe if they'd been there on the outskirts of the village when Jesus was approached by those 10 lepers, think about it, 10 People declared unclean in their homes, in their village, and in the law that the Pharisees loved so much, there was no room for a leper, no space for the unclean. And when Jesus comes near, they shout and beg, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And because in the mercy of God, there is always room 
And because Jesus is the mercy of God made flesh, he yells back at those men, go, don't waste any time, go straight to the priests, show yourselves in the village, be deemed whole and clean again, be included in your community, make space again in the life of the village. The kingdom of God is in your midst, go. Don't you see? The kingdom of God, it's big, it's spacious, it's roomy, it's generous because it is the moving, transforming activity of God whose love is big and spacious and roomy and generous. As some of you know, Kevin Ireland and Jeff Kaiser and I have spent hours writing and videotaping and producing a study to go along with this sermon series, a, a video study called Say It Isn't So. And we know that most of you aren't paying any attention to it, and we, we're not taking it personally at all. No, right? No, not at all. <clears throat> but, but I do want to urge you this week, this is week four, this week, to go on the website to find this 10-minute video and to watch it. It's the companion to the sermon I'm preaching right now, but in this video, we asked our wonderful Afghan refugee ministry team about their work. And I don't wanna speak for them. I want you to go hear their story. They have been blown away by the larger picture of God's work and activity, the larger picture of the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear that for yourself from them. Truthfully, we can't hear Jesus' parable of the prodigal or the lost sheep. You can't watch Jesus interact with outcasts and the forgotten. You can't read Jesus' words to the, the Pharisees, the guardians of religious purity, without being reminded of the spaciousness of the presence of God, the roominess of the kingdom of God. Friends, God's love creates space. It always creates space. Space for prodigals to come home. Space for families to be reunited. Space for forgiveness to be given and received. Space for growth and health. And space for all God's children all God's children to sit at the table and no one, I mean no one, gets left out. Every week, service, just as she did today, our pastor Emily reminds us of our mission statement, that we invite others into God's larger story. God's larger story. Friends, that is nothing less than the ever-expanding kingdom of God. Spacious, roomy, generous, greater than anything we can think or imagine. So that leads me to a really important question, one question for us on this beautiful March morning, one thing that I think we need to ponder. If God intends for the kingdom of God to be let loose in us, for inclusivity and for roominess and generosity to reign in our lives, in our church, and in this world, then why in heaven's name don't we see more of it? 
Why don't we experience more of it, live more of it? Why is it that some in the church and many in our world would continue to put boundaries and gates around God's kingdom? Continue to name who's in and who's out, who counts and who doesn't? Why do we live as if there isn't space enough, room enough, money enough, love enough, energy enough? Do you know what? God demands better from us. And God demands better from the church. Dear ones, there is a better way to live. And this is a way to enter into the spaciousness of God's love and mercy, to experience the power and healing of God, and then offer that space, that room to spare to others. There's a way to see the kingdom of God in our midst. Remember that healing story of the lepers? It doesn't end with 10 people just going home. No, the story of the healing of these lepers ends with one leper turning back. While all 10 were made clean, one does something extraordinary. He stops. He disobeys Jesus' instructions. He leaves the other nine and he comes back. He comes back to Jesus. And when he sees that he is really clean, he does something his disease wouldn't let him do for years and years. He comes right up to Jesus, gets into his personal space, falls at his feet, maybe even touches his feet, and he thanks Jesus over and over. He thanks him. I believe Jesus expresses delight in this man when he says, ah, there were 10, weren't there? And this one, a foreigner, comes back to praise God. You see, Jesus wants everyone watching to understand that what's happening, it is good, it is of God, it is proper, it is holy. Jesus knows that humility and gratitude have opened this man's heart, made room in his soul, and Jesus knows that the kingdom of God has arrived right then in his life, right at his feet. Yes, there's room to spare in God's kingdom, but the way is cleared. The space is made. The invitation is extended through humility and through gratitude. People who have it all together, who have all the answers, who know best, such ones won't find partying in the kingdom of God pleasant or necessary. And churches... Churches that have it all together, who know exactly what God is up to, that feel good about themselves because they meet the needs of others out there in the community, such churches, they'll never have enough resource or room for God's surprising activity. But the person who knows, really knows that she is walking wounded, that person who can acknowledge a need greater than any resource he possesses, that one leaves the straitjacket of self-reliance and pride behind and can enter the joy of relationship with the one who meets every need, covers every wound. In that relationship, there is room to spare and there's space, 
space for a fresh start, space for healing, space for the kingdom. And the church, the church that confesses her wounds, her powerlessness before the head of the church, Jesus Christ, the church that can readily admit she doesn't have it all figured out, the church that continues to be a messy celebration of the love of God, Sunday after Sunday, open to what God might be doing next, in that church, there will be room to spare. And the kingdom of God will be evident in all of its glorious untidiness. Friends, don't be mistaken. We don't earn the kingdom of God. We don't build the kingdom of God. We don't control the kingdom of God. But we are invited into it as it swirls around us. Since we began with Beekner's vision of the kingdom of God, let's return to it, second to last. One more. No, at the very bottom. The kingdom of God is what we all of us hunger for above all other things. Even when we don't know its name or realize that it's what we're starving to death for. The kingdom of God is where our best dreams come from and our truest prayers. We glimpse it at those moments when we find ourselves being better than we are and wiser than we know. The kingdom of God is where we belong. Don't you see? The moving, transforming love of God, it's already among you. The kingdom of God, it's already among you. And God waits, always waits to bring you home. To bring you home when you are lonely. To bring you home when you're feeling faint. To bring you home when you need forgiveness or freedom. Don't you see? You are home. And the kingdom of God is already among you. And all the people said, Amen.